Welcome to Wheel to Wheel F1. I'm Noah Hicks, joined by Lance Ellington. Tanner is not with us today, so it's just the two of us. And for the first time ever, we are recording together. It's Lance and I together in Atlanta after wrapping up the Spanish Grand Prix, where Max Verstappen took home the race in Barcelona. And what a wild race. Really so much to break down. Lance, what are your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts are this race was a lot more exciting than I think anybody was expecting. Barcelona is not known for overtakes. It's not known for its DRS zones. And I think we saw a lot of great racing throughout at the top, at the back, around 10th. So I'm, I was very excited. And it was a great time to watch Formula One with the fellow Wheel to Wheel podcaster, so I enjoyed it, even though McLaren didn't have the greatest of days. There's a lot of action. I think there's a lot of talking points and a lot we can dive into today. Yeah, there's so much to break down. You had Charles Leclerc aiming to take home the Grand Slam for the weekend, where he dominated in free practice, dominated in quality, had that little slip up in Q3 and then saved it with a banging lap, was on pole through 30 laps looking like he was going to run away with the race. And then Ferrari failed. Yeah. Ferrari failed, which was completely unexpected. You had Max struggling with the opening as DRS couldn't pass George Russell, some awesome wheel to wheel racing between the two. Yeah. I, I, I said the thing there, <laughs> um, <laughs> but really what a wild race. We also had, you know, some Alpine double points, we saw two hosses make it through to Q3 and then fail in the race. We had a George Russell podium. Like, I don't even know what the best thing to talk about here is. There's so much to unpack. There's so much. You didn't even mention Alonzo starting with the new power unit back in 20th after having some rough issues in quality. Hamilton climbing with K-Mag and then working his way back, ending, I think, the first lap at P20 and working his way all the way up to P4, but eventually settling in at P5. Botas just putting in another solid performance, no questions there. Lando Norris with maybe a flu race or a sick weekend, <laughs> shall we say, and doing a solid job there to get McLaren some points on a day where maybe Ricardo looked like he struggled a little bit or just didn't have the pace on this particular track. An appearance by Yuki in the points, there's a lot. Let's just start off with the biggest thing on everyone's minds, Leclerc's reliability issue. We haven't really seen that from Ferrari at all this year through all the races, and it struck him. They had the bad luck bug on a day where Leclerc, as you said, was putting in phenomenal times for practice after practice throughout quality, and today he had a great lead. Max was even struggling to start the race, having some weird DRS things, and you just thought, this is great for Ferrari. Signs may was struggling, not doing great, but I don't know. It's tough. That's a really tough break for Ferrari. It feels like when everything's going right and you think Red Bull's on the out, it just flips on its head. How do you feel, Noah, watching your favorite driver of your favorite team go out due to a liability issue? Listen, man, you saw me watching the race live. <laughs> we actually watched it together. And so you saw my instant reaction and uh, I was – I was sad. I was depressed. And I'm pretty sure I got really quiet for like the next five or 10 minutes. <laughs> I put my hand on my head or hands on my head with Carlos Sainz also struggling. It was rough for Ferrari today. It 
it's it, it felt like two different races today you had the first 30 laps where everything was going right we predicted a weekend for ferrari coming in with some huge upgrades on the car and it was they were showing you had carlos Sainz who struggled at the start had like the the anti-stall thing so he got away slowly mm-hmm. and lost some places but you know he was starting to come back he seemed like he was on a good strategy and then he didn't have it, it, it I, i'm starting not starting because i had already started but i'm questioning carlos Sainz again this race so kind of heartbreak for the second half of the race you see and red bull just jumped all over it they took everything dude fastest lap p1 p2 you know you have a malcontent sergio perez who came second and got fastest lap i mean i i guess i'll take an upset teammate as a as a consolation prize in this championship fight but it couldn't have gone much worse for ferrari today <laughs> Let me tell you guys, Noah was absolutely gutted with how things went, watching Carlos Sainz spin out and drop back and never really able to take his form back, as Noah said, as well as Leclerc with our liability issue. He did. He got quiet. I wasn't hearing much from him from his side of the couch in the room. We were just kind of quietly watching the race and enjoying the other cars and seeing what would happen. But this was big. Um, I kind of want to dive in here with Ferrari. We think it was after the Australia Grand Prix, maybe. And we saw Leclerc was up by 40-something points, 46 points or so. And now Max Verstappen has taken the lead on Leclerc in the championship. And on these race reactions, we love to do, you know, some overreactions and argue about them and say, is it an overreaction to say that this is true? And we were talking about if Max Verstappen could come back and be with Leclerc just with the non-reliability issues that Ferrari was having, the great racing we were seeing, it just – Felt like it was written in the stars for him to be Leclerc's year and looked that way at the start of the race. But that's Formula One. You really can't bet on anything, especially in a season when there's going to be 22 races. It's really tough. So rough day for Ferrari all around, rough day for Carlos Sainz. We were all hoping, uh, had him in the podium in our podium predictions for those that listened to our race preview. So that's tough break for him. I did try to predict an accident between Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc just to add some fun in there and had a Hamilton on my podium prediction. That did not happen, but we did see Leclerc go out and we saw Hamilton have a bump with K-Mag. So nobody's getting their podium predictions right, but that was Ferrari's day. We can jump into another team now. Hang on. Okay. Everyone on my podium missed podium. I had, I had, Signs Leclerc Hamilton as my podium. Oh man, oh. <laughs> that's rough. Oh, the scenes. That's rough. And I think Tanner had signs Leclerc Verstappen, so he grabbed one, and you had Hamilton Leclerc Verstappen or Hamilton Verstappen. No, no, I had them crashing. Yeah. So I had Hamilton signs Checo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, all of us. I, I mean, I guess I had Checo. Yeah. Wow, that's mud. Mud, man, <laughs> mud. In a track where we thought quality was going to be the big determinant of how a lot of these cars finishes. And that was the case outside of the top six, you know. But in that top six, I guess it that's where cars really changed up from where they were qualifying and really gained some places. Yeah, yeah, no. It, I mean, it was insane. Like, we had Mercedes c- coming in with huge upgrades, and they showed. 
they showed at, at some points you saw Leclerc looking super fast in the beginning of the race. And you were thinking, all right, this Ferrari upgrade system worked for Leclerc. And then we had signs who couldn't close on George Russell. And the only reason he passed Lewis Hamilton was because they were having power unit issues. And so it's like, what's the deal? I don't know. Mercedes, I want to talk about Mercedes. Mercedes are fully back in this race or in this season. Kind of racing. It, it's clear they are slower than Red Bull right now. They are slower than Red Bull, but I don't know, man. They're 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 challenging Ferrari now. I think we said they were destined to be third. They're starting to creep back into this this one-two uh race, you know? Yeah. I think this is something where we need to rely on those other team principals, like Christian Horner, who said Mercedes coming at some point, they're going to be up here with us. He has said that multiple times over and over. And here we are like, nah, that's not happening. They're sitting in third and not believing what the other team principals do think Mercedes is capable of. And here we are sitting with the George Russell, Lewis Hamilton, both the top five finish a George Russell podium. I think there's time where we can just dive into both drivers because each had their own races, their own up and downs today, and some interesting stuff. So we'll start off with the man getting another podium, another top five finish. And this is something we kind of predicted. We said, if you want a super safe bet for this upcoming weekend, take George Russell to finish in the top six because he was Mr. Consistent, still being the only driver to finish in the top five. We'll say every week until it's not true because it is just astounding that he is doing that in the field of Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, Sergio Perez, and Lewis Hamilton. Very impressive. Notice I didn't say Carlos Sainz. There's a reason there, and I'm sure we'll get into more of that later. But props to George Russell. Excellent defending against Max, even though Max had the DRS issues. That was some great driving. Really love to see it. Love to see how calculated these drivers are and getting, you know, within inches of each other's, within centimeters of each other's and not crashing, but able to have that super highly competitive racing. So that's it on George Russell. Noah, what do you make of Lewis Hamilton's race, particularly with the crash he had on that first lap, bumping into Kevin Magnuson, K-Mag thinking it was intentional, who really knows, can never fully understand what's happening on some of these incidents. But then Lewis is like, hey, guys, let's just save the engine. Uh, I don't want to race today. I'm kind of uh, I think I'm done. I'm in P20. It's the end of lap one. Let me just go sit down and, and drink some water and do some yoga or something. But instead, the team says, no, you're going to race. We think you can get points. I think on the radio, they specifically said they thought P8 was in play. This was obviously before a lot of other issues came up. What do you make of his day, Noah? Like you said, it was really up and down, right? You started off, he had a pretty good start. Or did no, he didn't have a very good start. And he collides with Kevin Magnuson. And you're like, uh oh, this we've talked about Lewis having a rough year. The issues continue. And then he gets put on some strategies. He's got some soft tires that start flying, start flying. And he's clearing the field with overtaking people said there was this isn't a very big overtaking track it was an exciting race we had some wheel-to-wheel racing we had a lot of overtakes 
honestly, maybe one of my favorite races this year. I, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. I really think it might one of the best. Like I am in, I, I am in Spain without the S, <laughs> but like, honestly, if, if you take an objective standpoint, might be best race of the year so far. And so we had it all. Yeah. Lewis Hamilton, then lap lapping the field, getting fifth place, almost fourth place. It's a result he's going to be happy with. It's hard to be unhappy with a result like that. And like you said, with uh, Max Verstappen and George Russell racing against each other, we, we've talked about George, you know, kind of lucking into these spots, just playing it safe, kind of racing against himself, all of that. And we actually saw him in some super exciting racing today. And some of my favorite wheel-to-wheel racing of the year so far, they, they were millimeters from touching Lance and I were holding our breath, just watching them race some really tough racing, you know, maybe Max Verstappen of last year has an accident there. And that was just really fun to watch. So fully deserved podium for George. He took everything out of the car, whether it was driving it reliably, making tires last, staying in front and making good lap times in front of a Ferrari that should be faster. Like what a race from him. What a race from Lewis after the start. And I think now's as good a time as any to jump into checkered flags because my checkered flag goes to the Mercedes team. I think, Mm -hmm. yeah, like I couldn't say it any more about it. George and Lewis both extracted everything they could out of the car today. And it's just absolutely huge for the team as they try to catch up in the standings. So really cool to see kind of from an objective standpoint, you know, having a third team enter this championship race. So a lot going on. (laughs) That is no, they're well-deserved checkered flag. And you made some great points that I want to touch on to say, you know, why they deserve the checkered flag. First off, I think all of us questioned whether George Russell would be competitive from the get-go at the front of the grid. We knew he was going to be competing up there with the Mercedes, but could he handle that pressure? We hadn't seen him compete with these other great drivers in years past. So that was a question we had. Whether or not, you know, he was getting lucky throughout the start of this year. We've kind of ran that narrative. Fully deserved podium here. It was great to see. George Russell really deserves the props. I know we've given him a decent bit of checkered flags, but this goes to Mercedes as a whole. And who knows? I like to just think about what could have been from Lewis Hamilton today if he hadn't bumped in with K-Mag and still had his hammer time, as we say, coming down late in the race. I think a podium, if not more, was fully in play for him today without the K-Mag incident. And he's really hard done by, too, to not get P4. Mm -hmm. I I mean, he had his power unit issues at the end with, I guess, water was dripping into the PU. So incredibly unfortunate for him to not get a deserved P4. Yeah. And so really, really cool race for Mercedes. I guess before we do your checkered flag, let's do Tanner's. We 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 got we got Tanner not phoning in, but but texting us his checkered flag. He wants to give it a little homerism here. He a little wants- homerism, but but deserved. <laughs> but deserved. We'll let it happen. Yeah. We'll let it happen. So he wants to give it to Alpine as a team. We saw Esteban Alcon finish in P7 and Fernando Alonso finish in P10. Mm-hmm. Neither of them made it to Q3. Both really struggled in qualifying. 
We had Alonzo getting P17 and Esteban Ocon qualifying in 12th. Yeah. And then Alonzo starting 20th in the race with the power unit. Yeah. Really struggled. Didn't know if Alpine were just going to kind of have a quiet weekend. But you see right from the get-go, Alonzo passing, I don't know, three guys at mm. the race start and then continually lapping fast and overtaking pl- uh, drivers. So great from him. Alcon, I was shocked. I, you know, we talk about trying to figure out which cars are faster. We, and, and we see this Alpine in Alcon passing these cars that I would thought were supposed to be faster at the Mm -hmm. start. We see Alcon in like P5 at some point. He's able to jump up and take advantage of that K Megan Lewis Hamilton and use his car properly and get in front of the McLarens, which was huge. And the whole race, I'm thinking, all right, Lando Norris, you're going to close that gap, right? He's five seconds down. He got the four seconds. He got the three seconds, maybe a 2.9 at best. But Lando was never really able to close that gap on Ocon. And he was able to hold off Lando Norris, per se, at a distance that whole time. He wasn't necessarily competitive with any of the other six cars ahead of him. But great race by him, gaining five places on the day. And then I guess another 11 places gained by Fernando Alonso over the entire race. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And I'd like to point out that Esteban Ocon now has 30 points in the driver's standings through the year. He is sitting in ninth place ahead of some notable drivers that I think be surprising. Wouldn't expect him to be ahead of Daniel Ricardo before the season this many races in. I don't think people would expect that. I don't even think people would necessarily expect him to be ahead of Pierre Gasly just based off of the season Gasly had last year, putting in phenomenal races and getting those top six, top seven finishes. Kind of having maybe a Gasly S season from Ocon, you know, just I think so. I think that's maybe a fair comparison so far, maybe a little early. So there's those are a couple of drivers, obviously ahead of his teammate, Fernando Alonso. That's unexpected. So pretty impressive season for Ocon right now. And I think he's getting them love. I know we've talked about if he's underrated or not. Maybe he was coming into the season and that's been proven. But through six races now, I think people are recognizing the talent and the work that he has and has been putting in with the LP. Absolutely. I, I think because he got that massive contract last year and we kind of mm-hmm. questioned it. But yeah, he's putting in great uh, races and out qualifying Alonzo every once in a while. I mean, we talk about Alonzo being unlucky, but whether he's unlucky or not, Alcon's performing. And, and so like good on him. I think if Tanner does end up listening to this, he's, he's going to be happy with the love we're giving. We also had that that bet we were talking about in our race preview mm-hmm. that was would you rather take Alcon in the top six mm-hmm. or Alonzo in the top six and neither of them did get it but for a long time this race it looked like Alcon might finish in fifth or sixth and but all of us said Alonzo right yeah all of us said Alonzo and Alcon had a great race so Really, really some wild stuff going on there. So kudos to the both of them and their team for getting the car in a better place after a rough qualifying. Mm -hmm. Just really cool. Really cool. But yeah, Lance, what do you have for your checkered flag? So for our listeners who know us well, they've been hearing us. We got, you know, a lot of episodes out there now. This podcast is a Botas podcast. That's what we like to say. That's what we like to joke about here. But in all seriousness, he had a great race. 
He had a rough strategy towards the end, not being able to hold off Carlos Sainz and Lewis Hamilton due to some tire degradation, as well as just the cars being a bit faster and not having the best strategy. But still, coming home with a sixth-place finish in that Alfa Romeo. Been phenomenal all year. Been consistent race after race. I think still surprising some people. We've talked about that a few times. Just didn't know what to expect from the Alfa Romeo team this year between rookie Zhou Guan Yu and veteran Valtteri Boltas coming together to form the new driver pairing for that team. So very excited for Valtteri Boltas. Him being able to just prove people wrong maybe a bit and really show his talent outside of Mercedes and show that even in a lesser car, he's able to compete with those top teams, able to outrace Lando Norris consistently now, I will say. I don't like to say that, but he's been able to do that, whether the car is better or not. Have to give props there because everyone thinks Lando Norris and believes he is one of the best young drivers on the grid and in the top five drivers and just talent wise on the grid, probably. But Botas has been up there out qualifying and putting in great heaters. And he is one of only two guys to out qualify his teammate in every race this season, regardless if his teammate is a rookie. That's still very impressive. You know, we're down on Latifi a decent bit and don't think he deserves, you know, a spot. But he's still been able to out-qualify Albon at times. Mick Schumacher, who's a struggling driver race after race, even though you're just dying for him to get points, and he had great qualifying, he's, he's out-qualifying K-Mag. K-Mag's out-qualifying him. So not that we expect Joe to ever out-qualify both us, but still another feather in the cap. Sixth place for him. He is now up into or keeps his eighth place spot in the driver's standings and is just one point behind McLaren. We talked about if Botas can carry Alfa Romeo up into a P4 in the Constructors' Championship by the end of the year. I still don't think that's possible without Joe taking a step forward and being competitive in the points, but Botas is going to keep them relevant and in that conversation. Absolutely. Going into the year, who would have thought after six races, Valtteri Bottas is in P8 in the driver's standings, extracting so much out of this Alfa Romeo. He finished in P6 this race, and we're not asking ourselves if maybe P7 or maybe something, something else. Mm-hmm. We're asking, man, I wish he could have finished higher. Usually when a car like that finishes in a spot like P6, you say that's the best result they possibly could have gotten. Mm -hmm. And the best result that Valtteri Bottas could have gotten was P4. Honestly, like you kind of wanted more. Yeah. Not that I question giving Bottas a checkered flag and not that he hasn't been great, but I wanted him to have more. I just don't know how else to say it other than if the strategy would have worked or he could have held off just a little bit longer in those final 10, 12 laps would have been having a very different conversation, still stoked for him, but would have been on a different level. And we're getting those expectations now. It's not just happy. Like you said, absolutely. The expectations are there with him because like I said earlier, it felt like there were two races during this race. First half of the race, we see Valtteri Bottas looking like a P4 finisher. Mm-hmm. Looking at like P4 finisher, then Leclerc goes out. We're like, all right, this is a lock, right? He creeps into P3. Now this is because of pitting. And so he's in P3 for a moment. Mm-hmm. And then, then it kind of settles in. Teams are all go- doing this three-stop strategy. And Alfa Romeo decide to go bold and do a two-stop strategy for Botas. And 
he just couldn't do anything to keep those cars behind him uh, in Sainz and Hamilton. And so he finishes in P6. Still a phenomenal result, a phenomenal result, but you can't help but feel like he could have done more. So it it's a double-edged sword. No, hindsight 2020, right? Maybe, and you don't have all the data, but maybe if they got an earlier pit stop in there for Valtteri Botas, get on those fresher tires, drop back to P6, then go up. Sainz wasn't having the best of days with the car. He had a very solid and great day. I mean, he finished P4. It's just there's expectations in Ferrari this year. But maybe he could have got signs with some fresher tires if he would have had an earlier pit stop. We know Hamilton had to let off the gas a bit with his power unit issue. So maybe that would have flipped it. Yeah. And at the very worst, end up P6 still that he did with his, you know, the, the other strategy. So I think taking that risk would have been a bit better. Hindsight's 2020. I'm not in there. I don't know if that would have made any mistakes. But I think Ocon was far enough back and that risk maybe should have been taken. And Alfa Romeo might be kicking themselves a little, but they're walking away smiling and trying to get Joe back on the track. He had another reliability issue, a DNF. Not great. I, we we want to see him up there. We want to see him more competitive. So that's all I really have to say about him. We've done our checkered flags. We've been in this episode for a while now. The fans are probably upset, especially the Supermax ones and the Checo <laughs> ones, because it is time for us to talk about the team that did dominate today after Leclerc going out after they were able to solve Max Verstappen's DRS shoes, Red Bull. What happened today with Red Bull, Noah? All right. So we saw a few things and I, I'll, all right. I want to, I want to start, you know, we have two races. We also have qualifying. So I'm going to start at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start at the beginning. Max had a pretty good qualifying was going to start in P2, which mm. admittedly isn't a great position at this Barcelona uh, track mm-hmm. uh, historically, but he's going to start in P2, right? Checo actually had a rough qualifying, qualifies mm-hmm. in fifth place behind George Russell. And so you're a little worried, you know, is this going to be the Ferrari race? And then you have race start, and Max is in second and has a decent race start, but can't come in front of Leclerc because Leclerc got away a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. And Checo has a great race start, has a great race start, goes into P3 or four, four behind Russell. And so now we're into the first race. Once once you go clean (laughs) through turn one, then you can actually start talking about racing. So then we see Perez fight Russell, can't really catch up to him or pass him. And then we see Verstappen go into the pits, I think. Yeah, well, he had his spin. Oh, he, he had, had a spin. spin. That's what it was. Yeah. We had, first, we saw that Sainz had his spin, but later on, or not even later on, just a few laps later, I think it was on the exact same turn, whatever was going on there, a gust of wind kind of knocking those back off or early tire degradation that wasn't expected. We saw Verstappen also spin yeah. and lose out on some places. Yeah. And then the DRS issues hit him. Yeah. So we, yeah. So we see Verstappen spin, fall into P4, mm-hmm. and then wild stuff's going on right and then he he catches up to george yeah and i think checo's in second at this point right yeah checo's up into second and then he ended up pitting and going back behind max sure but while that was taking place that's where max was struggling yeah drs issues were hitting he's you know effing unbelievable we can't get the most simple thing right it's the basics of the sport is drs and noah had a good point here that he talked about max with his button smashing 
Oh yeah. So, so yeah, he's having these DRS issues. You hear him on the radio. They're telling him, all right, Max, we need you to just press the DRS button once. Don't, don't press it multiple times. I think it was, it wasn't working and then it was working. And Max Verstappen proved that he's human and he's all of us. He's, he's all of us playing a video game. Something's not working. You start button mashing. And I think that's what Max Verstappen must have been doing with the DRS. He was like, this has to work. I have to press this multiple times. And so we see that issue. We see amazing racing between Russell and Verstappen. Mm-hmm. And then we get into race two. <laughs> but then we get into race two where we see Max Verstappen start flying. Mm-hmm. We see getting on a new pair of softs. Yep. Claire's out of the race at this point. Yep. We see that. We see Checo. Some drama there. Mm-hmm. Checo, Checo leading the race. Checo leading the race. Checo getting put on a conservative kind of long tire strategy. And then we see some team orders. We see them switch up. Max takes the lead and runs away with it. Max, you know, flew through the field. Mm-hmm. Flew through, through the field, was driving amazingly, and Checo was driving really well, and I think he's got to be a little upset. His strategy was, Lance and I were talking about it, I don't think it was a race winner's strategy. I think Red Bull does this thing where they have their primary driver, and they put Checo on strategies that ensure the highest possible points finish that isn't P1. It's not aggressive. It's, I want to get a podium here. It's a safe strategy. It's to ensure if Max of old, right, or I say of old, if Max of last year comes back up and gets a bit more aggressive and there is some crashing, that Red Bull still has at least one driver and one car walking away with a good result. That's what it is. It's a conservative strategy to allow Max to pursue the way he does and race as aggressive as he wants to. And we see Checo saying it's very unfair. He's happy with the team result. How could you not be? You're on a team that had a one-two finish and is now leading the Constructors Championship by like 26 points or something. So that has to feel good team-wise. But the inner competitiveness, I know it's eating him up inside. And he even mentioned he, he wants to have a conversation with the team. He wants to understand why. I think he knows why, but he wants to have that conversation and say, hey, I, I should have been allowed to stay in first. I was having a great race. I know Max is competing for the world championship, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. Checo, Checo isn't far off from those two at the top. I'm not saying he's, he's going to beat Max or anything, but he should be allowed to kind of compete for a race win. I know you don't want to see your team battling it out on the track, especially for first and second and risk any accidents and let the guy who has the more points go through. But I wish Checo would have had a bit more opportunity to shine but he has been an absolute amazing teammate seeing that come from last year and continue to do that. And maybe in his mind, he's thinking about the contract talks that he's hoping to resolve over the next couple months and maintain this seat with Red Bull. Yeah, absolutely wild kind of watching these two duke it out. I mean, it's kind of what we saw with Lewis Lewis Hamilton Mm -hmm. and Valtteri Bottas for years. You, You see Bottas kind of get unhappy with not, getting race wins and being the quote unquote second driver. And I think that's starting to catch up to Checo. And I might be wrong. I think he only got one win last year. 
I think you're right. I think he only got one win last year. So in this car that's capable of winning championships, he's only gotten one race win, and he's in third place in the driver standings right now, putting in great results that Red Bull and Helmet Marco are extremely happy with. These drivers, man, they are, you know, they think the world revolves around them. They mm-hmm. they are the, the heroes of their own stories, and so. Sergio Perez probably wants one of these race wins. You know, it, he can see the last three races or so Red Bull's clearly been the fastest car and Red Bull haven't put him on strategies that can get wins. They put him on strategies that preserve tires for a long time and kind of get solid points. And when you look at the other top teams sitting there in Ferrari, and let's be honest, Checo's the number two driver for Red Bull. No one's going to question that. But that doesn't mean he's not deserving and not capable of getting a race win. And in saying that, looking at Ferrari and their number two driver, Carlos Sainz, Checo is beating him by 20 points through the season so far in the driver's championship, which is saying something. That's a really that's a large gap between those number two drivers, considering Max and Leclerc are only separated by six. So as much as we say, you know, Checo this and that he's deserved of the win. He's been able to provide a lot more support to Max throughout the start of this season. than Carlos has to, to Leclerc just to kind of give it as a, a parameter, a measurement, right? That's what we're doing here. Absolutely. So great race and all by, by Red Bull. Got to give them their props. They're feeling great. I'm sure maybe some little internal battle. I don't think it's anything that's going to be moving the needle there. Just some conversation that they need to have and have it out. Checo doesn't seem to be too much of a hothead behind the scenes. Seems to be well-tempered and well-mannered. So that should go well. And they have a quick turnaround. All, all teams do. We have Monaco next weekend, oh, which will be exciting. But we are not done reviewing this race. But looking ahead, there's a quick turnaround, so not much time to have any internal battle. More got to focus on how do you get these cars to fit these upgrades. I think a lot of teams brought upgrades but maybe didn't have time to tweak the cars to match it right and get the perfect settings. And I see that taking a bit more place in Monaco, even though, as we know, it is a street circuit. But anyway, getting into some other conversation around this race, we can get into some overreactions. Let's do it. And I promise you, if you are a fan of AlphaTauri, McLaren as I am, Aston Martin, Haas, we're going to talk about these teams. I promise you we will. We're just focusing on the top and the points early on, and we're working our way down the grid to get to those teams and those conversations, and we do have some takes around that. But starting off with hot takes, I'll be talking about my favorite team, McLaren, Team Papaya. Lando Norris, great, great solid race, especially considering he was sick. He got his lab disqualified during Q2 for going out of bounds on the turn or outside the track limits. Very unfortunate. It was very minuscule, but probably right. I just wish that call would be consistent. We don't see that always getting noticed or called out by the stewards, I believe it is, or the race directors. So unfortunate there, but able to have a solid race, finishing in eighth, being a bit under the weather. Daniel Ricardo starting out in P9, able to out-qualify Lando Norris for the first time this year. I think the first time in a while, even going back to last year. So you feel solid with his performance, hoping for a bit more in that Q3, maybe to get ahead of both the Haases, but happy with P9 and interested to see where he could go on the grid and ends up finishing the race in P12, but truly sacrificing about five places due to Leclerc also going out. 
So definitely unfortunate there. Not very happy with his results. The team will be content with Lando, unhappy with Ricardo, I believe, hoping for more in Monaco where we've seen Ricardo have success in the past. But the question I have, is it an overreaction to say McLaren has the fifth best driver pairing on the grid? I think a lot of people thought this was a very strong pairing, especially coming off of last year. We saw them pretty competitive and they finished as a top four driving pairing, right? That's that's how they finished the year last year based off of points from the team and points as individual drivers. But now are they the fifth best? Are there four teams in front of them, Noah? I mean, let's think about it, right? We have Leclerc and Sainz, who many considered to be the best pairing last year, because truthfully, last year, Sergio Perez did struggle a bit. And mm. so they had that pairing a little further back. And so we have Leclerc and Sainz, who at the moment, I think I have ahead of Lando and Danny Rick, because mm. Danny Rick's kind of struggling. He's kind of struggling. And say what you want about Carlos Sainz having a bad race, because he did, and he's having a bad year but he was pretty fortunate and got a P4. And so that that's actually a great result. Well, he still know? has multiple podiums on the season. Exactly. We're just, expectations are high for signs. That's a different conversation. Exactly. So I've got that pairing ahead of them. Perez and Verstappen, probably best pairing on the grid right now. I think mm-hmm. they're in sync. They're both driving great. Neither are really making mistakes. Whether they make mistakes in qualifying, they always fix it in the race because they've got a banger of a car and they've been driving safe. No accidents. They, they have reliability issues every once in a while, but they're P1, P3 and the driver standings absolutely mm-hmm. killing it. Then I want to talk about Mercedes Lewis Hamilton. We've talked about having a rough year, but George Russell has had a great year and Lewis Hamilton had a great race today. If we're, you know, reactionary, which we always are on this pod. <laughs> I might even venture to say that Mercedes pairing is having a better year than them. So already you've got three teams who I have above. Then you got get into teams like Alpine where Esteban Alcon's having a good year. Fernando Alonso is having an unlucky year, but put in a good result today. So that's really the one that's teetering, you know, whether they're the fourth best pairing or the fifth best pairing, because when you get into the other ones, you don't really see any consistency. You, you don't have an elite driver like mm-hmm. Lando Norris. And if you do, it's like Valtteri Bottas. And even, even Ricardo who's having a rough year is leagues better than Joe Guan Yu. So that kind of falls out of it. AlphaTauri is weird. Neither of the drivers are putting in good enough results consistently for me to think that they're a better pairing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, kind of around that P4, P5 uh, standing, but it's not an overreaction. Because that's just preference at that point between the Alpine pairing and the McLaren pairing. No, I'd agree. And it depends if you're looking at it in a bubble for this year or if you're looking at it as a long-term pairing. But I think when we're talking about it for this context, it's particularly this year, you know, Formula One 2022 season, six races into the season, forward looking for the next, you know, 16 races. That's what we're talking about in this context. If I had to think through where I would have it, I had the Red Bull pairing at the top. That's I think that's kind of unquestionable at this point. Through through the races so far, I'm putting Russell and Hamilton in that P2 slot because Russell, again, he's he's having a great year in his first year with Mercedes. We know what Lewis Hamilton is capable of. We know he's a seven-time world champ. Let's not forget he was a lap away from being an eight-time world champ. 
So keep that in mind. Next, I'm going to put Ferrari in that third spot. Signs has done great. He's gotten those podiums, but we're still hoping for more and still a little, little unsatisfied with the gap that he does have to Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari. So they're coming in at third, but I think it's very close between those two pairings with Red Bull out in front. Finally, I may put Alpine in fourth. I think this one could go back and forth depending on the week because we have seen some issues from Fernando Alonso, whether it's unlucky or a little over-aggressive driving there. Because we know Lando Norris is one of the best drivers as the grid. He's better than both Alpine drivers. I believe that through and through. But O'Connor and Alonso may be both better than Ricardo right now. And so do you take the guy, the team with the really great driver and the middling driver, or do you take the team with the, the two good drivers per se. I think that's where that preference comes into play. It'll be more, you know, as we get more races through, this points will spread out, but Ocon is ahead of Ricardo through the season so far. Okay, getting into another overreaction that I have. Right now, every driver on the grid has scored a point except for two drivers. One being Nicholas Latifi, no conversation needed for that. I apologize for all the Canadians out there, but watch the race. You know, there's not a lot for us to talk about when it comes to Latifi. But one Mick Schumacher has not gotten a point. Even rookie Joe Guan Yu has a point. Mick has yet to even get a point in his, his entire Formula One career. Is it an overreaction to say that Mick is destined to not score in Formula One. <laughs> is it is an overreaction to say he's destined to not score in Formula One with Haas? Because who even knows if we'll get a shot with a different team down the line? That no, what do you think? I don't know if he'll get a shot with a different team. I mean, you you gotta think Ferrari wants him to succeed so bad. Mm-hmm. They want him to succeed so bad, so they might try something. But the guy has terrible luck and sometimes bad strategies, and sometimes bad performances. And all of those have led to no points. And so we saw him get into Q3 for his first time ever this weekend. Qualifies in what, P9 or P10? P10. P10, but well-deserved. Like, 100% props to make Schumacher on that. I want to make sure we, we give him his props before we – it sounds like we're being a bit negative. But I think all fans want to see him do great. We want him to score points. No and I are watching this race just – just like grudgingly going, ah, oh, come on, Mick, like do better. I want to, I want to see you get points. Yeah. And, and there were times throughout the race where it looked like he was going to score points. And then there were where he was in P six at one same point. thing as Miami. He was in P six at one point. And then he slips, he pits, they put him on this meet this long strategy stretching out these medium tires. Mm-hmm. They wait too long to make a decision so that they kind of handcuff themselves to having to stay out and then you just start seeing cars pass them and you know that the points finish it the finish becomes impossible again for him and so truly this weekend that's bad luck it seemed like this was finally the time that he would do it but the guy is kind of cursed so and, and and you know Haas it's hard to judge from week to week. Mm-hmm. I can't figure out how fast their car is. They had two cars in Q3, but they had an accident. So K-Mag had a rough finish and they had a bad strategy. And man, it's tough. I think we Mick continues to kind of be in a black box, kind of like what they have on an airplane. Just, I don't know. I don't know what to make of the guy right now. 
I do know what to make of him, but I don't want to admit to it maybe because I, I want to see more from him. So unfortunate there. And quick point on Haas, great Saturday. They're feeling great. Only team to not bring upgrades to the track this weekend. All they did was able to redo some stuff on the floor and help out with the porpoising, which gained more speed than they even expected, just to show that testing isn't everything. You don't always know how these upgrades or how some of these fixes are going to make a difference until you're in qualities, until you're in the race day. So feeling great. Sunday, immediately from the get-go, that first lap, taking that hit with K-Mag, feeling like it was maybe not personal, but not as much accidental on their end. Unfortunate, Steiner isn't going to be happy with this performance and is going to want more in Monaco. But one positive, if they can continue to do great with qualifying, if what they did this weekend can transcend or can you know go into Monaco next weekend, we know that's a track that's that's built more around qualifying and where you start in the grid. So hoping for great opportunity there. I don't know if I really have any other overreactions today. I think we've been going for a bit. So I think those were two solid ones. Be interesting. Maybe McLaren has the fifth driving pairing. Maybe not. Mick, who knows if we will ever see him in the points. So now let's get into some other teams that we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. And starting off, you know, this guy didn't deserve a checkered flag but he deserves props. One Yuki Sonoda getting a points finish for an AlphaTauri car that I don't know if they have pace, if they don't have pace, if it's track dependent, they have the Red Bull powertrain, I believe. So really confused there, but have to give Yuki props for coming into points and finishing ahead of guys like Mick Schumacher, who started off finishing a guys ahead of Daniel Ricardo who started off in the points. What do you think of Yuki? And also maybe a little bit of Gasly and the Alpha Tauri just as a whole, Noah. I don't think that the Alpha Tauri car is very quick. I think that I, I want to get that out of the way. I don't think they're very quick. Mm-hmm. But Yuki Sonoda finishes today in P10, grabbing a point where after a qualifying where did he make Q2? I can't remember if he made Q2, but and I think he did. But it looked like the Alpha Tauri was struggling a bit with other drivers you know, looking faster, like the Haas drivers, Mm -hmm. like Valtteri Bottas, like Lando Norris, like Daniel Ricciardo. So, so you, you, you think going into the race and Alonso, yeah, battling Alonso, you think going into the race, a points finish probably isn't in the cards for Alpha Tauri. And Lance and I kind of double taked watching the race. We see Yuki in like eighth place at some point. Mm -hmm. And we're like, Yuki's having a great race. Yuki's having a quietly great race. And so it's a very well-earned point. He's outperformed Gasly this year. All kudos to him. Honestly, great job. Not enough to get a checkered flag from me just because it's not, it wasn't an impossibility for Alpha Tauri to get a point. And it is just one point, but it's something that has to get talked about. Good job, Yuki. Gasly, man, kind of struggling, but yeah. I don't know. I know walking away from last season had high hopes for Gasly, you know, thinking, wow, maybe he should be in that Red Bull kind of deservingly. So Checo struggled at times throughout last season. Why Gasly was just having one of, you know, was having his best season in Formula One to date. And he is now five points behind Yuki in the standings. He is being outperformed relatively consistently by Yuki, whether that's in qualifying or in the races as well. So I don't know if this car is just not built for Gasly and his driving ability and his style, if they just can't seem to get it right for this car. 
the pace that it has. I don't know. Maybe Yuki is getting more comfortable in the sport. It's, that's a weird team that I cannot seem to place a finger on. But getting into some other teams today that we saw some so- a solid performance from, definitely they're hoping for more coming in with that green Red Bull. That is Aston Martin. I think we can all agree that is not a Red Bull whatsoever. It may look <laughs> like one. It may sound like one, but it does not drive like one. And that is where it is difficult. But got to give props to Sebastian Vettel going out. Both Aston Martin drivers actually going out in Q1 yesterday, not really making it, and Vettel having a solid race, doing amazing tire management. I think on his softs, he was getting 20-plus laps, which the only other guy really doing that, I believe, was Charles Leclerc, and we all know how great he is of a driver. So great by Sebastian Vettel to have an 11th-place finish. I don't know if points were ever truly in play with him, just with his pit stop strategy, but very solid performance there. Stroll finishing in 15th. Nothing too notable there. First time, hey, first time worse than 13th. Oh, we know that we know that from two truths <laughs> and a lie from one of our preview episodes. Exactly. So interesting performance there. Like something I touched on a second ago. Maybe they brought all these upgrades, but they're still gonna have to work on tweaking the car, and the drivers are gonna work on getting more comfortable with this car and maybe how it takes turns and things like that. Because as anyone who's been following this season to date. The car did look very different than what it's looked up to this point. This is almost like their second spec car is what it feels like, like a backup that they had. They thought this other one was going to be great. It's not. So they're making the switch early on and we'll see if it pays dividends down the lines. Yeah, we'll see. I I was hoping for more out of them after seeing their, you know, how many upgrades they had. I was hoping they would be more competitive, Mm -hmm. but I do want to talk about Seb Vettel. After this race, this is the first race all year where I've not felt that Seb Vettel is past it and doesn't really care. I thought he put in a great performance with tire management, some overtaking of cars that should be quicker than him. Really just impressive performance from him. Nothing to really write home about for Lance Stroll, but good performance for for Seb Vettel. Listen, the Aston Martin team probably isn't very happy after this weekend. But Seb Vettel probably can be, you know, personally, he's he's going he's going home and he's thinking, all right, I didn't have the car that could score points today, but I did my damnedest to to get it as high as it could go. So honestly, pretty good result for him. Mm-hmm. And one thing to note is, yes, he is a well experienced driver, a full four time world champ. But this was only his fourth race of the season, though. It was six for everyone else. So not to say he doesn't have the experience and the ability, but he hasn't had the time with the car that Lance Stroll has or that these other drivers on the grid, such as a Daniel Ricciardo, a Pierre Gasly that they've had with their cars between the different practices and tracks. So just to note there, you know, he's, he's a little bit earlier in his season in 2022 compared to the other drivers. We talked about Mick Schumacher with Haas, nothing else to go in there. K-Mag, man, oh man. It was a rough tough, one. Tough one. It was a rough one. He had a great qualifying, putting the car in P8, P8. Out qualifying both McLarens. Yeah, out qualifying both McLarens, insane qualifying from him. And then he had the incident with Lewis, which Lance and I, you know, we're not that experienced F1 fans, so we don't know whose fault it was. They, the race directors ultimately deemed it no, uh, no penalty or no mm-hmm. further investigation. So they couldn't figure out whose fault it was. So just kind of unfortunate there for him because otherwise I think he could have scored points 
And so pretty rough. He had a pretty rough, rough race start too, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that hurts. Uh, the Haas team is, you know, after a great qualifying and probably some high highs on Saturday, mm-hmm. they had some pretty low lows today. And so it, they, they can't really catch a break right now. It seems like they're having bad luck, having second guessing strategies that just are rough. Hope I, coming off Miami where both cars ended up, I think DNFing by the end of the race, you know, not being able to finish and then having that great Saturday, as we talked about, unfortunate, they'll be shooting for Monaco to have a great time next week ahead of a week break, I believe. So we'll see what happens there for the American team on the grid. As a team. uh, Yeah. And as a team, that's good at qualifying. I think they stand a chance of actually scoring some points Mm -hmm. next week. Agreed. But getting into our team on the back, not a whole lot here, but that is Williams. We've seen Albon. We've been high on him. We've done our driver rankings recently. We've mentioned them a couple of times, but definitely check those out if you haven't. They're a lot of fun. We did it through the first five races of the season, kind of going through our reasoning, looking at 2022 specifically in a bubble, who has done the best this year with their ability and with their car and compared to their teammate. But anyway, that's because I mentioned Albon. But looking at Williams, Matifi finishing in 16th, finishing two places ahead of Albon. I know it's not everything, but it's notable, especially on a day where we saw other drivers making errors, such as Max Verstappen and Carlos Sainz. We see a couple of accidents. Matifi not involved in any of that, finishing a race. I know I'm not giving him much there, but it's something. I don't know what else to say to you know, sound excited. We know Matifi is not going to be in the points. So a 16th finish with a clean race. Eh. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. Like there's not much to add there. He finished like 40 seconds faster than Alex Albon by the end of the race, which is a, a ton. So, so yeah, he, he had a good race. It's just not a car that in Barcelona with all these pit strategies, it's not something that you can really take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they did try a hard strategy. Maybe that could have been worth it for them, but they didn't try it this uh this weekend so you know williams or williams they're Mm -hmm. gonna finish in p10 unless something crazy happens but albon coming back down to earth finishing in p18 in that williams probably would have been p20 if joan leclerc didn't have reliability issues uh yeah he he was getting those p10s those p9s p11s the last few weeks mainly due to his tire management and tire strategy, which is very impressive. And he does have his props for and people have recognized, but unfortunately wasn't able to take advantage of any strategy this weekend in Barcelona, which is why we see him return towards the back of the grid rather than near the points. I think Tanner is going to be pretty happy if he listens to this, though he missed the recording and missed a talking about a great race. I will say not to be down on him, but we've given Alpine some love. We've talked about them performing excellent today. We're comparing them to McLaren as far as the driver pairing go, which I don't know if we're thinking that before the season at all. Definitely not. not. So he should be happy there. They got their checkered flag. We've talked about Red Bull. We talked about all these different teams. Do you have anything else to add about this race or even maybe a little bit forward looking into Monaco, Noah? Yeah, my closing thoughts are all forward looking. I was just I was just thinking about <laughs> that. I, I'm excited for Monaco. I think it's it's going to be telling it's Ferrari struggled for a few races. They finally fallen behind Red Bull in the standings. Max Verstappen passed Charles Leclerc. 
It's going to be a big weekend for them. Charles Leclerc at his home Grand Prix, finally a chance to, you know, break the curse, all that, all that drama. So we're going to see that we're going to see Mercedes who has some single lap speed in them. It's a qualifying track at large and or, or by and large. And so we're going to see Saturday be incredibly important in Monaco. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for it. I'm getting nervous as a Ferrari fan, but I think Monaco might be the best race for Ferrari to reclaim some points in the standings, because I think that it's made for them more than it's made for the Red Bull. Very fair. I think, I think that's kind of the two, the two groupings that we have going into Monaco next week. You have those teams coming off of some highs, right? You have Mercedes and Red Bull coming off of some great performances. Mercedes maybe even wanting a bit more, but still going to be satisfied with how the upgrades took this weekend. So they're going in positivity. Then you have a team like Ferrari. You have a team even like McLaren, I'll go to say, because Lando's probably not happy with P8. And you have Daniel Ricciardo, who's had success at Monaco in the past. Maybe those two teams, a little bit, a little bit negative this weekend, but hoping for a bounce back next week. Ricardo into the points, Lando maybe into the top six. Leclerc back up at the top. No reliability issues for him next week. No crashing into the walls and seeing him on the podium bare minimum. I think that is the standard, at least for Max Verstappen and for Charles Leclerc. Every race this week is a podium finish. Honestly, getting to the point where P2 is the standard for each of those drivers. That's how I'm seeing it, but I'll just say podium for now. Well, I've really enjoyed talking about this race. Surprised at how exciting Barcelona was. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We did a race preview, so if you want to hear what we were thinking before the race, after seeing the results now, be sure to check that out. We have driver rankings out, as I mentioned. Those were really fun. We'll definitely follow up on driver rankings later on in the year. Maybe during summer break will be the next time we revisit that and see what has changed. And we don't do a consensus there. It's different for each of us. We will be coming out with a Monaco preview here early this week at some point, looking forward and bring up some new segments and new talking points, talking about our quality predictions, podium predictions, best betting. So be on the lookout for that early this week. As always, thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. Any feedback you have, leave that review. Give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And that's the checkered flag for today. We'll see you next time on the Wheel to Wheel F1 podcast. Good job by you, buddy. Good job by you.